1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can follow me at Joey sports guy. We've got a fantastic episode coming up for you talking Justin Fields and college football. But first we got to talk about our sponsor and it's BetOnline.ag. They've been there since the beginning and football is back. That's why bet online is your number one information for all your sports wagering info with all the up the minute stats, news scores and match of breakdowns. Get the latest game odds spreads and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistic news and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and even the Super Bowl. You get the best access to all the best football promotions. So what are you waiting for? Get on the website. Use your mobile device right now. Get in on the action. You will receive a 50% woke Welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code, believe BLEAV. That is right. BLEAV to receive that 50% welcome bonus only at betonline.ag where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the show. I'm so excited to talk ball with this returning guest. He's been on a couple of times. I'm so excited. I always value and treasure his perspectives. Um, I'm just going to call him usually college football, NFL, whatever it is. He is football. He is a sports maven. Uh, he is Melvin Buchanan. Mel- Melvin, welcome back to the show. How are you today?
0: Joey, I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Looking forward to uh, having a good time today.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Um, so before we get to the good time, let's talk Chicago Bears football just really quickly here. Um, and I'm so glad to be having you on today specifically because um, you know there, chaos is raining right now down at Hallis Hall. Chicago bears fans are completely spiraling out of control. So what better than to bring on um, the sobering perspective um, of your sports perspectives right here? Um, Let's just start with Justin Fields uh, and let's keep it simple right now. Um, What have you seen from him through the first four weeks uh, in contrast to what we saw last season And, and where do you think he's at right now? And honestly, how much of it is on Justin Fields and how much do you think of it possibly is on other factors?
0: Well, there there may be some of it on him, but I think the bulk of it, Joey, is on other factors. Uh, One of the things that you have to do for any young quarterback, and that is try to build his confidence. And with Justin, I think one of the things that, you know, the Bears have not done is put the uh, protection around him, a good offensive line. I mean, the last I've watched, he's been running for his life nearly all of the time. And he's getting hit a lot, you know, uh, much more so than a quarterback should be getting hit. You know, I would say a running back is used to taking hits like that all the time, but most quarterbacks aren't. The other thing that you can do for a young uh, quarterback to really help him uh, build his confidence is put a strong running game around him. And the two are sort of tied in together. Uh, because you don't have a strong running game normally if you don't have a good offensive line. You know, that that shoots your running game as well. So I, I'm wondering, you know, when the Bears are going to, you know, spend some money and possibly do that, or if they're just going to let him keep, you know, getting his brains beat out in which you shoot his confidence. And once you shoot his confidence, as far as it goes with the Bears, it may be a time then for him to just move on to, new territory, you know, just, just to be honest. Uh, but I think if the bears would probably invest some money and and put some protection around him and give him a decent running game to take some of the pressure off of him. Um, I think that would help him, you know, help his development a lot, you know, and then the rest of it, he'll just have to pick it up himself.
1: Um, yeah, the tale is old as time when the Chicago bears franchise, um, is complicit in, in creating bad habits or putting in a quarterback in a position to not succeed. And unfortunately I think we're at that doorstep again with Justin Fields. Um, My question for you is this, and I've been trying to wrap my head around it. I don't think there's an easy answer, but the first thing that I kind of think of is, you know what they did with Mitch Trubisky, right? He had, he had a solid positive season in 2018. They went to the playoffs. And all I remember is that in 2019 head coach, Matt Nagy said that, you know, we're going to now, move on with Mitch and graduate him to the offense 2.0. Um, and I felt like that that was always to the quarterback's detriment where he didn't ascend to 2.0. And when they did go back to 1.0, it was already too late. And his confidence, is, as you rightly point out, was shattered. So my question with you, with Justin Fields, is it felt like that they had found a bit of a formula last season to put some points on the board. Um, Designed runs, boots, rolling him out of the pocket um changing his launch angle letting him create in the pocket and i feel like to begin this year i feel like we're in the same spot where they're trying to maybe get him to graduate to another level of football that either isn't in his skill set or he's not ready for so when you if you were a coach of a team you know do you believe in eventually pushing those players to get to places that maybe they aren't capable of or or, I, I mean, my, my my grand point is that I just kind of wish that they had just taken what Justin Fields did well and continue to try and get exceptional at it. They were good at it, but let's get elite. Let's get obsession, exceptional. Let's become masters at the craft of what we do before moving on to something else. Um, you know, how do you pick and parcel that when you're trying to grow and develop a quarterback?
0: Well, I, you know, I think it's only two paths you can travel with that it's either once you realize what you have in the quarterback, if you decided that that's going to be your guy, then you have to build your team according to that person's Mm. strong suit. If you haven't decided that's going to be your guy, then you can go the other route, which is trying to make him become something that he is not. And, You know, I think some clubs get, I call it straddle the fence and try to do both of them. And I've seen some of that with the Bears. It's like you either got to decide this is what his strengths are. We're going to build our team around this. Or if we want to go in another direction or whatever, we're going to quit wasting his time and let him go somewhere where those strengths can be appreciated and maybe a coach can really develop those strengths and build a team around that. So to me, they've been sort of wishy-washy on it.
1: Yeah. And, and unfortunately I think that has led to wishy-washy results. Right. And if you're a bears friend right now, I don't think you know exactly um, how to feel about Justin Um, for a guy who has so many tangible and intangible things that you like in a quarterback um, to be honest, the wins and the results aren't there. And at some point you are going to have to ask yourself. So, um, and a lot of people will ask the question, you know, do you believe in Justin Fields? Do you think he's a good quarterback? Melvin, as it stands right now with Justin Fields, do you believe that he is the type of quarterback that can win a playoff game and play serious January football at some point in his career? Or do you have your doubts?
0: I think he can. I really think he can. Um, you know, I think it's much more to um Justin than we're actually seeing. And I think that's mm-hmm. because of the way that he's being coached. I think the biggest thing that's wrong with Justin right now is he really does not know which way to go because I think, it, and, and I think that's because of the way he's being coached and it's like, do I give up all of these skills I have over here just to go and try to do what they want me to do over here? And I, and I mean, I understand that you, it doesn't no matter what you're being paid. You know you're an employer i I mean an employee and you got to do what your employer asks but at the same time i think the employer needs to see these are the skills if we really develop these skills we can have something special he has the ability but i'm really worried that if it keeps going he may wash out in that you just destroy his confidence so he washes out and I think it's good for a quarterback to be able to run in today's football with the speed of the defensive lineman, with the speed of the linebackers. You can't stand back there and read like people could do 20 years ago or you'll get killed. So you have to be able to move. But I don't think it's good for a quarterback to be, quote, unquote, a runner because Mm – Uh, Number one, I don't think you can take the NFL punishment, the hits that you get in the NFL. I think if you're bigger and got more bulk, you can take them better. But even still, as a quarterback, you're not physically ready and mentally ready for all of those hits. As a running back, you are because everything you do as a running back, you're getting hit. So over the course of time, you learn how to protect your body, you know, a certain type of lean where people don't get to your legs and, you know, you give them your shoulder pad or your helmet, but you don't give them much to hit. Most quarterbacks, even the best of runners, don't know how to do that. So they generally leave themselves as big, wide-open targets. And if Buck and Mm -hmm. speed and size would do it, Cam Newton could have gotten away with it. But even as big as he was, he couldn't take those hits. So you you, you can't yeah. have your quarterback getting beaten to the ground like that.
1: Yeah, it, to Cam Newton's credit, it's pretty incredible that he that he made it as far as he did. And obviously, he got a couple of shots there towards the end of his career when he's still in his early 30s. And people were like, what's wrong with Cam Newton as well? You know, the tread on the tires, maybe you know, at that point. And it, it's funny, I do think about that sometimes where I want to believe that the Chicago Bears front office believes that Justin can be that guy to not only be the face of the franchise, but be the face of the football team for the next five to 10 years. And I think they were thinking of different ways, almost like you buy a really nice car and you're like, we're only going to drive it on Sundays for a little while. We're not going to take it out in the snow because we wanted to get to those 100,000 miles, those 200,000 miles. Unfortunately, it doesn't work in the NFL like that. And maybe they were trying to make him into something that he kind of isn't. And and all of a sudden, maybe you're trying to protect him, and you're doing five, seven, seven-step drops. He's not reading the field properly. You're not utilizing what makes him special because you want the longevity. So in in the micro, you're not getting the results to try and preserve the macro. But can you even get to that macro? It, it, you know, I mean, if you're not letting him who what you know do what he does, and it's a conundrum. And Melvin, we all know this. He's gotten hurt a couple of times. You know, in each of his first two seasons.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's a big thing, you know. When you when you look at uh, you know that style of play, uh, you have to really be careful. Uh, a- again, because of the hits, you know, and after getting so many hits, eventually it starts not only affect you physically, it starts to affect you mentally you sort of get a i call it a defeatist mindset mm. and so that to me if they don't do something soon i sort of see that happening with justin and i always say that the biggest thing you got to be able to do in the pros of the quarterback you got to be able to read defenses you don't have to necessarily be the greatest of passers. You don't have to be the necessarily the greatest of runners. But you got to be able to read defenses and get the ball to where the ball needs to be. And the only way a lot of times you know where the ball needs to be, you have to be able to read the defenses because it's different from college. It's different from high school. And a lot of times really athletic guys like Justin who have played in high school, where it's only been two or three other people on the team that probably could play that way, or even in college, there weren't a whole lot of people with your ability. You get used to doing more than your part to help the team win. When you get to the pros, you still try to do that, and those linebackers and those defensive linemen wind up killing you. And you have to learn that it's not my job to run the ball. They pay a running back for that. It's not my job to catch the ball. They pay receivers millions of dollars just like they do me for the. My job is just to make sure the right person gets the ball. What he does with the ball after he gets it, that's between him and management, not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My job is to give him the ball. Yeah. And and, and the quicker a yeah. quarterback learns that, you know, the better off they are.
1: Uh, let's switch over to the chicago bears because it's a bit depressing i wanted to talk some college football with you because uh you know that's uh that's your bread and butter right there um i'll give you an option there's a couple things i do want to talk with you about so i'll give you i'll give you a, your pick of door number one door number two number three we could start first with um your reaction to uh the coach prime phenomenon um we could talk a little and i nil portal which i i find to be incredibly intriguing this year um or third i do want to talk to you a little bit about the quarterback class um, currently with this uh, college football season, which one would you like to hit first? Which one's uh, intriguing you the most?
0: Well, I guess the biggest thing would be, you know, the the, the national phenomena, you know, uh, Coach Prime. Um, mm. I, I think with Coach Prime, a lot of people are missing what is actually happening here. There's two or three things that are happening here. Number one, Coach Prime is not Has not just been good for college. I mean for Colorado. Coach Prime has been good. For the institution of college football. Period. I mean it's just throngs of people. Eyeballs coming back to the TV. Just because of Coach Prime. That's the first thing. But I think there are three really important things. That people are overlooking with Coach Prime. Number one. Coach Prime has changed the way I think going forward. Major colleges will look for coaches. I think he's changed that mm. because there was mm. a time when the major schools, when they looked for coaches, they looked for either guys who had been head coaches at high D, you know, uh, uh, D one schools, or they had been on some powerful staff as an assistant. Both or
1: or men. NFL or NFL flameouts. Yeah, NFL flameouts. Flame flame
0: yeah, correct. But when they went and got Coach Prime, I think most people thought, "Oh, he's just flash." But what they are now finding out is that hell, he can flat out coach. Or I put it this way: his staff can flat out coach. So now I think when, when schools now, and I know I know there are a lot of schools that are probably kicking themselves. It's like, you know, we had a shot at that guy and we passed him, we passed him. And Colorado's AD is probably sitting there saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, you know, and, and all of the others, you know, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, but but what, I'm, what I'm also saying is that since Dion is doing what he is doing, when they look the next time instead of having to look for assistance or instead of have i think they're going to go over and and scour through the hbcus for coaches because they mm-hmm. found out these guys can coach too they're just in smaller situations with smaller budgets now they won't probably won't find another dion hell it's probably not 10 people in the country with that type of charisma you know but they can find guys over there that can flat out coach and that's what he is doing so i think he's he's changing the way that coaches will be looked for and i think black coaches will get a, a a broader look the next go around when when schools start looking again the other thing is that he's changing he has changed the whole outlook on transfer portal oh absolutely The typical mindset of transfer portal was I got four or five weaknesses on my team or seven or eight weaknesses on my team. I'm going to try to go in the transfer portal, get me seven or eight people, maybe 12, but I don't want 20 and I don't want 30 because that may screw up the chemistry of my team. Dion has put a whole new spin on that. He went into the portal and got 68 people, I think it was. So, basically, he went into the portal and got a whole new team. And these guys are from all over the country and everywhere, never played with each other. But if you look at his team, they play as if they have been playing together for years. And I think that tells me that Dion and his coaching staff are doing one hell of a job to pull that off. (laughs) Most people couldn't pull that off with 70 or 80 new guys. So I think now all of the schools are going to start looking at the transfer portal different in that I used to get six or seven or eight folk. Now I can go in and get half a new team if yeah. I can coach like that. And, and to me, he is doing that. So So for his staff, that third thing is for his staff, to be able to take all of those players from all of those different places who've never played together and mold them into a team that looks the way – I mean, to be honest, to be totally honest, his team, uh, until the last game or two, looked more organized than Alabama did. And, I, you know, I think Nick Saban is great, but they look more organized. And so I i, I think if you had to give me a choice of voting on whose staff or which coach – I. This year has done the best job of anybody. If he doesn't win another game, just what he's done already with the team, I, and you know what I call his team a Betty Crocker cake box team. You know, a quick, a quick, a quick mix. Oh, a quick yes. Yes. <laughs> a Betty Crocker cake mix team, and he's giving <laughs> people hell, You know, so yeah. I tell people I said, when you hear him say, you better get me now. I think he's correct, because I think if you let him screw around and get two or three good recruiting classes, and he actually has some athletes. If he's doing what he's doing with that Betty Crocker cake mix team now, he's probably going to be hell on wheels with some real players. You know, I, I think he'll do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, my The favorite part um, about what you said and when we talk about HBCU is and I think this goes across. Sports, this goes across corporate America, this goes across just our general thoughts, is that you know we get so trapped into the safety of convention. And 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 here's the thing is that two things can be true at the same time. First of all, when we talk about Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, if you looked him up in the dictionary, he is a convention breaker. His entire career, we've always questioned and and he's been polarizing because no one thinks that who in their right mind would ever not be solely focused on football and get on a plane to go hit, you know, in the bottom third of the Braves lineup. And, you know, who dare, you know, all this other stuff. Dion's career has always been this other side of the fence, people saying, how dare you? And Dion is, is a one in one. So I, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think, you know, as we move forward, you're not going to find another Dion Sanders. Um, the, the guy's a unicorn. Um. You know, I, I don't know about the achievement of his skill. But when we talk about his athletic ability, I think he's pro- perhaps one of the greatest athletes that we've seen close. You know, you know I put Bo Jackson in that team photo and, and all Me those too. guys. But, but what you're saying, though, is that if we can get to the point now, especially college football, uh, that can start thinking about things a little bit differently, uh, maybe get a little bit out of the business of retread and get a little bit more back to, you know when these coaches recruit these players, uh, these coaches mean what they say, and the players believe it, and then they come over, and then they believe in a message, and and, and then they all bond and fight for each other. I, I think that's a great thing, um, and, I, and I and I agree with you completely. This should hopefully open up the door for so many opportunities of people that have either been held back by by resume or or status or just general. Not in the convention of what college football looks like. Um, I I think that it's an an incredible opportunity and it's a great opportunity. Look, you know, I grew up with Colorado and Rashawn Salam and Gary Barnett. You know, they've had some good teams over the years, but when you look at a place like Colorado, you're not thinking that as the powerhouses that we consider of college football. Hopefully, other schools get opportunities to rise up. Uh, We need more TCUs in the world, right? We need more, we we need more Colorados. Um, And then uh, to follow up, and I'd love to get your your take on this too, is when you talk about the transfer portal, um, I just really love the concept that it has been, um, that uh, across the board, I I think it's a real true success. Um, and, And I can't be more than happy about what we've kind of seen transpire over the last couple of years. And it's really starting to come into fruition this year. Just, you know, take for example, a guy, um, you know, I cover a lot of Northwestern Wildcat football right now. So take a guy, a guy on their team, A.J. Henning, right? Now, A.J. Henning was the punt returner, the wide receiver six on Michigan um, and was able to flash some plays or whatever. But going over to Northwestern now, he gets himself a bigger role. You know, he's got four touchdowns in three games, and he's getting an opportunity to, to show off his skill. I, I think the portal is just as important. As much as it's an arm race, to bring these guys into these different programs, it does give these kids, these athletes, opportunities to still have uh, – to create a career for themselves, even if they go to a big-time university and they're not high on the depth chart for whatever reason. They can go somewhere else, play football, and show off their skill. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest that, – that's a huge win, I feel like, for college football right now.
0: I agree with you. I I think, uh, you know, between the transfer portal and NIL – what it has done is somewhat balanced. I won't say it's totally balanced, but it's starting to balance up the talent and in the process. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. And in the process of doing that, now we're finding out who can really coach because in mm. the past, a lot of just the superior talent was stacked up between three or four schools. And normally that was Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Clemson and probably sometimes LSU, you know, so they would have all of the, I call it the superior talent. The other schools would have good talent, but they wouldn't have the superior talent. And what would happen is that you really didn't have to do a whole lot of coaching because your, your players were just so much better than your competitors. You know, if they walked out and sleepwalk, they could beat your competitors, and maybe you had one or two teams in the conference where you had to coach a little bit and win those games, but probably 80% of the games, I could have won them if I was coaching, uh, if I were coaching, because the talent was just that lopsided. And so they could sort of what I call stack talent. You know, I got eight, six, five five-stars, and you got eight five-stars, whatever. But now if you sort of look at the recruiting, I think Georgia and Ohio State got four or five, and everybody else got two or three you know, down to maybe eight or nine in the ranking. So the talent is balancing up. And even if you stockpile those players with the transfer portal, a guy sitting there, and he's the five-star, and he sit there a year or so, he said, hey, I'm getting up out of here because I could go, you know, across town there and I could play. And I think that's good. I mean, I really think that's, yeah. that's good for, for the game altogether. And so now I think the coaches have to really – coach you know where it used to be i would say so much as is it wasn't as much in the top three or four teams about coaching as it was about recruiting they just had the superior talent i'm not saying the rest of some other teams didn't have good talent but they always had the superior talent
1: final question here for melvin buchanan here on bet on chicago uh with joe christopolis thank you so much for joining us melvin Um, my final question for you is you know i just want to learn uh, I want to learn in these last couple of minutes from you right now. So, you know, as we're looking at it right now, we talked about Justin Fields at the top of the pod. Uh, you, you're kind of looking at that quarterback class right now. And that class at the time was heralded as a deep quarterback class. We had Trevor Lawrence. We had Zach Wilson. We had Justin Fields. We had Mac Jones. Um, uh, excuse me. No, we had Trey Lance. Excuse me. I want to get that right. Um, and we were asking ourselves, you know, where would they go? Who, where should they land? Who gets the steal? Who wins it? Whatever. So as it stands right now, Trey Lance is the third string quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Mac Jones is probably either a pass, a snap or a game away from possibly being benched in New England. Uh, we cover the Justin Fields territory. And I think to be fair, Trevor Lawrence has been solid. I don't know if he has been the transcendent Andrew Luck type that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be coming out of college. So we're hearing a little bit of those rumors again about this quarterback class coming up, about how uh, deep it is. Uh, the top end obviously be Caleb Williams uh, leading the pack right now. Um, you know, What is your perspective right now on the crop of quarterbacks? Um, do you think it is um, as strong as some people are saying? Obviously, we're only in October. We need to see a little bit more. Um, And I want to hear a little bit about how you feel about Caleb Williams and Drake May specifically.
0: Well, you know, I I hadn't really seen anybody that I would just consider purely elite, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's four or five good guys, you know, really good guys. But to just say that somebody is standing, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of them. I, I haven't really seen that,
1: you know. But I, I do. Think can I, can I, inter- can I interject quickly? What is it about Caleb Williams that doesn't have you going, ooh, ah, uh, wow? What, what, what more do you need to see from him right now that would that would get you there? Well, look, uh,
0: again, you know, as I said uh, earlier, I, I think he has the, uh, what would I call it, the acumen, you know, to be able to read the defenses and so forth. And, you know, that that's going to have to be developed uh, further because I see him take, you know, quite a few risky throws. And sometimes that's because you're overconfident. And then other times that's because you didn't necessarily read the defense right. You know, <laughs> uh, so that, and, and you know, and, and, and in looking at that, Quarterback is a tricky position. You know, it's it's a position where if you're not, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not recruited or or drafted into the right situation, you can look really bad. Mm. You know, you can look really bad. And even if you are not drafted into the right situation, if management doesn't have the sense to go out and bring the right coaches in or the right OC in based upon what you have, it can still be ugly again. I mean, they can correct it sometime if you recruit a guy or, or, or sign a guy to the wrong place, then you can change out the coaches and do things to, you know, to adjust and get by But, but it, it, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's the, the hardest position to learn, I would say. It takes longer to develop at that position uh, than any other. So, quarterback is not. It is not easy, you know, especially not in the pros. It 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 is really not easy. But I would still say uh, that you gotta be good at reading the defenses. You know, if you can't read the defenses, I don't care how good you are athletically or whatever, you're going to have a hard time making it, you know, because Mm -hmm. those defensive coordinators are so tricky at throwing different things at you, and you got to be able (laughs) to to read it and see it and know where the ball needs to go. And I would, I'll tell anybody the best person I've ever seen at doing that in my life was Peyton Manning. I've just never seen anybody better at reading defenses. I don't care what shift or audible or whatever the defense did, Peyton always knew exactly where to go with the ball. And if you blitz, the ball is going right over your head and right into that spot that you blitz from. I don't know how Peyton did that. If he'd go up to the line? Wah, 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 all this crazy. And I'm like, what in the crap is this dude talking about? But when he stopped playing <laughs> Omaha- that ball. <laughs> It went right to where it needed to go. So when it gets down to that part and just looking at, you know, the quarterback, just based upon what I've seen, Drake may just may be the best one at reading those defenses. You know, he's not as gifted, I would say, as Caleb Williams or maybe not as athletic as Bo Nix or – and, and to be totally honest, I think a dark horse in that whole deal that nobody's giving credit to is Shadur Sanders. I think Shadur is playing, I think he's vastly underrated and people are looking over him, but he doesn't throw a whole lot of interceptions. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. The ball goes most of the time to where it needs to go. I think he's yeah. really, I think he's a dark horse
1: in the whole deal. Well, well if you talk to Coach Prime, though, he'll be 2025 yeah he's not he 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 doesn't want his son to come out next year so that was kind of my thought process and look uh i i'm starting look for the chicago bears they're 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 currently picking first in the draft and the carolina panthers are picking second nothing is guaranteed it still is a long season a lot can happen you can fall out of the number one spot you might not necessarily luck yourself into the caleb williams conversation but yeah i'm gonna start drilling in a little bit more on drake may um because i'm just trying to learn a couple lessons of the past a most recent lesson. Is if you look at a guy like C.J. Stroud with Houston right now, he literally checked every single box except for they kept giving him a hard time because he couldn't really make a lot of plays with his legs out of the pocket. And, and and Honestly, it's so funny that we are reverse engineering that right now because eventually all you want your quarterback to do is to win from the pocket. That's what C.J. Stroud does. Uh, if he gets out and picks up a couple extra yards here and there, You know, like Mazel Tov, great. You know what I mean? Like congratulations on that. Uh, But to over obsess on that, and after the conversation that we've just had about Just, um, about you know maintaining his shelf life, I am going to be drilling in a little bit more on uh, on Drake May for sure. Um, I'm not advocating that he's the number one pick over Caleb Williams at this time, but for the Chicago Bears, if they, yeah, no, yeah, right. But if the Chicago Bears, let's just say they end up with picks two and four or something like that. When we're talking consolation prize, I want to make sure that um you know I I do whatever you know research that we I need to do to to be excited about Drake May and he seems like guy number two right now. Is that fair to say Drake May? Probably number two. Yeah. I'd agree
0: with that.
1: Uh Melvin be yeah, Melvin, thank you so much for hopping on the show, man. Um such a pleasure. Um we, we we I really value you coming on, man, just keeping tabs on the whole situation. And unfortunately with the Chicago Bears. Uh, we're, we might be doing some more QB scouting, uh, <laughs> me and you, over the couple months. Uh, and it might not even be Justin Fields' fault. This might be the team that I was born into rooting for. Um, but, uh, Melvin, man, uh, so great to see you, man. I'm glad every time we get a chance to do this. Um, be well, be safe. Such a pleasure, and thank you for joining.
0: Thank you. Glad glad to be here. Look forward to doing it, doing it again in the future.
1: Absolutely. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. Remember, fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Believe B L E A V. Please follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Follow Bet on Chicago. Make sure you check out my other show, Believe in Bears, with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, in the, into this episode. We got more on the way, so stick around, stay tuned, be well, be safe, please be good to each other. Remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago.